everyone. This is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode, which I am super excited about because I had the pleasure of chatting with Mukison, a talented Icelandic music artist that has been making waves on a global and local scale. We chatted about the time he spent living in Africa as a child, musicians that inspire him, the impact of Icelandic nature on his music, his epic music festival called Aldre Foriek Sudur, which translates to I Never Went South, and so much more. For those of you that follow me on Instagram, you know that I was spending time about three weeks in the West Fjords recently, specifically in Isafjordur, and I had the opportunity to interview some fascinating people in the area. My main reason for going to Isafjordur was to take an intense three-week Icelandic course at the University Center of the West Fjords. Many people have asked me about that course, and I will put a link to it in the show notes of this episode. If you're interested in learning more about it, they have A-level courses all the way up to B2. I'm also planning to share a full review of that experience on the All Things Iceland Patreon community because I took B1 and B2, which had their challenges, but all in all, I think was so worth it. So keep a lookout for that. Even though I was quite busy with school, I just felt like I couldn't be in the West Fjords without getting in interviews and doing videos for YouTube. So that was definitely part of the adventure. I was fortunate that Mugison lives in Sudavik, which is about a 20-minute drive from Isafjordur, and was open to chatting with me. It was such a blast to chat with him, and I felt like I was just talking to one of my friends. Just a quick note that this interview does have some curse words in it, so I recommend using headphones if you don't want any little ones to hear them. I hope you enjoy this chat and the other interviews from this area that I will be sharing in the near future. Some of you might know already that one of my goals for the podcast is to travel around Iceland more to interview different people in each region. In July, I set up the All Things Iceland community on Patreon. Patreon, if you're not aware, is a membership platform that was founded in 2013. It allows for creators like me to provide exclusive content to listeners like you in exchange for a monthly subscription. Each month, I'm doing Ask Me Anything videos, live chats, folklore Friday each week. Sometimes I do updates about my life in Iceland and, of course, more than that. I do not share this content that's being posted on the All Things Iceland community on Patreon on any other channel. The support from my patrons on the All Things Iceland community there helped me to upgrade my equipment, pay for fuel to get to interviews, and overall help to evolve All Things Iceland. There are several membership tiers to choose from, and each tier has a variety of benefits. In fact, I would like to give a special shout out to Betty, Noah, Paul, Danielle, Melton, and Mark. They are members of the Ausgardur tier which is the land of the gods in Norse mythology. Members of that tier get a special shout out on the podcast each month, live group chats with me, and a special gift that was made in Iceland that is sent to them from me each year. If you would like to join the community, go to patreon.com forward slash all things Iceland. And of course, a link will also be in the show notes of this episode. I look forward to having you join the community there. Okay, now let's jump in to this interview. Thakatier at Lusta, 
Mukasan, thank you so much for sitting down with me to chat today. <laughs> thank you. And there's there's so many things that I'm curious about, just naturally. But I read a little bit about your childhood, and mm. I was like, huh, this is different than what I was expecting. Right. So it was from what I read, and yes. you can kind of clarify <laughs> sure. the story, is that you were born in Reykjavik, mm-hmm. and then you moved to Isafjörður at some point with your family. Uh, but then at the age of six... Mm-hmm. You moved to Cabo right? Verde. Yeah. yeah. How was that? Because uh, you, your your family was there for some years, maybe like four years mm-hmm. or so. Mm-hmm. So growing up in on the west side of Africa, like what was that like for you? What kind of childhood did you have? Well, uh, it's only in retrospect that it's obvious it's special for an Icelander. Yeah. Or Icelandic kid, <laughs> but it felt normal. <laughs> At the time, of course. Yes, but we we yeah, we lived here in the West Fjords until I was in six, and then we moved to Capo Verde because my father is a fisherman. Okay, and it's the first kind of, uh, at least that I know of, that that um, Iceland was going to contribute in some way to uh, and teach fishermen in poorly, more poorly developed yeah. country. So get yeah, like. Basically, like giving them them an update education. Yeah. Okay. And so Iceland, the Icelandic government, uh, like sent a boat there, a modern boat at the time. So this is the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, my father worked there for a few years, just teaching the local guys how to fish with more modern equipment. Okay. Because they were just using like old rowboats. Wow. There were some other like. High tech stuff, but in general, it was right. old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I didn't realize this until later. Really, my dad was doing. I was just a kid. It was lovely. It was uh, great being in, like, just playing with friends all day long. Yeah. Um, kind of got to skip school, so it was like, I don't know if you know the the fairy tale about Pippi Longstruck. Yeah. Yes. So it's a little bit like I had a like a, a midget monkey. On the shoulder. Um, <laughs> that was just really interesting. Okay. So that was the kind of my. It was a small monkey. Yeah, he yeah. couldn't grow big. Okay. Uh, and they called him the midget monkeys, but it's probably not their real like, species, yeah. whatever. But uh, you know, and then just to go to the beach, fish, swim, play football all day long. There were like nice little corners on the weekends with, um, with which I remember. And I was just talking about this with my dad the other day, like markets. You yeah, know, yeah. food, some freshly slaughtered chicken and some stuff. Yeah. And then music in the afternoon, just local mm. bands. Like we'd run around, dance like crazy, laugh like crazy. Uh-huh. And that's, that's my memory. It's just like so much fun. Then we moved sometimes back to Iceland or we went to Portugal and we usually go for like six months. Okay. So we went like to six months to Portugal. So you have like a contract or something to go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how it worked. That's how it it was. um, Six months there, six months somewhere else, which was nice. So we got to know Lisbon as well. Yeah. And some different parts of Iceland. Trise, at some point you moved there, right? We did move there uh, some years later. Yeah. But then we stopped this project, but... Yeah, it was it was uh, like all my memories are amazing from yeah. Cap Verde, and uh, music wise, it probably had more effect on me than uh, you know I can tell. Yeah, because it's all music is so subconscious. So 
Absolutely. And, and it sounds like you're kind of just on summer vacation for many years as a child. Right? Yes. <laughs> because it's like you didn't have to go to school. You got to play all day. Well, they, they, <laughs> they try to like, it's hard. I don't know. Like my mom was supposed to teach us. Yeah. And I remember being, a, you know, kind of an asshole to her, oh, no. you know, just running out like I'm not studying today. And, you know, uh, it's. Um, Do you have siblings? Yes. Yeah, we, okay. I have a younger sister. I have two, actually, but at the time, only one. Yeah. Um, but she, she, she taught us stuff. Yeah. And there were other Icelandic kids there, uh, two okay. families, two families. They were yeah. also working, like, on the same boat. So. Okay. So you were also getting a chance to interact, of course, with Icelanders, meaning, like, speaking the language and yes. continuing that, because I'm guessing that was important for your family. And then, being in, like, trying your best, in a way, to integrate into the community that you were living in. Yes, well, like, it's, um, yeah, it, it sounds right. But, it, you know, thinking about it, yeah, it's more like you're just a kid. Yeah. Immediately you you have someone to play with, you have right. a best friend. And it was, like, poorly, like, we lived in a, in a four-story uh, block. Yeah, it, like yeah? an apartment building. Apartment building, mm-hmm. which is just similar to something over here, yeah. you know, on the corner. Uh, nothing fancy. But outside there was uh, people... Uh, lived in like oil barrels mm. that they've uh, flattened out and made then maybe they turned two barrels into a wall yeah. on one side okay. and then on the other side and then a flat roof and most of my friends lived in that sort yeah. of environment but it's funny thinking about now like I remember not thinking about it at all as yeah. a kid it's like well, yeah cool let's yeah. go to your place yeah exactly and um, which is so great about kids right because yeah, just, yeah. you're just my friend and i want to have a good time yeah. so why you know there's no prejudgment there yeah, yeah. no it was, it was good nice okay that is really fascinating i mean just the idea when i read that i was like wait what <laughs> it's like and now i'm getting the story in terms of with your father yeah no it was, it was amazing and all like the 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 other like you you like you've experienced this environment, mm-hmm. very clean. And if, if there are animals, they're just pets. Yeah. Or, or some nice looking sheep. Right. But there was a, a whole other deal. It was like wild cats and there were monkeys and lots of uh, insects. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a whole new world, you know. The, it was uh, Lots more sun all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like I had the habit of trying to uh, save all of the animals. Um, so if I found like a kitten... It was nearly dying or walking like it was drunk or something. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's dying. And then bring it home. And I would spray it with, because my mom hated the, the, the flies or the lice. Oh, that's the name. Um, uh, the, the thing, you know. Lice. Lice, yeah. yeah. So And stuff stuff in like my... Which I, I don't blame her. I mean, getting lice yeah. in your Yeah. So I've I never was had it, but I'm assuming the, it's not yeah. good. <laughs> I was spraying the animals. I thought it was doing them good. Yeah. Um, and stray dogs and, you know, yeah. donkeys. Yeah. I've been to uh, <laughs> islands in the Caribbean that are like this. And it does feel like you're just stepping back in time. In right, essence, yes. right? And But still, it's just a super unique experience. And, uh, yeah, it's, and it's weird. Like, I've been ma- meaning to go back. My father's been back many times. Okay. Uh, he travels ridiculously uh, much. But um, the kind of funny that Iceland Air is now running Capo Verdean Airlines. Really? Yes. So huh. they... They owned it. Like, it used to be, I think, government run, then, then they sold it to Iceland Air. Uh, they have a majority shareholder. Okay. So you so don't I, have an excuse anymore. I don't have an excuse. <laughs> and it's like, it's just waiting to happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hopefully when things chill out with this yes. virus. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then coming back to Iceland, I know you were saying this is all, of course, in retrospect, but you had gone from having this very kind of free lifestyle to now having to be in a classroom and be integrated back into Icelandic society. Mm -hmm. So do you remember kind of what that felt like or what was going through your mind as a kid adjusting to this environment again? Well, I had problems like with reading and writing. And then many years later, uh, it was uh, some teacher found out that I was uh, like very dyslexic and stuff like that. So um, like most boys, at least back then, it just turned to humor and, you know, being a silly boy or, you know, uh, very imaginative as a kid. So um, naturally, I gravitated to that type of friends. Yeah. And uh, we lived in territory in, in Reykjavik called Breiðholt, mm-hmm. which is on top of the hill, basically. Mm-hmm. And I had such a good time there. I had so good friends. And we were just playing, even though like we are getting the worst grades ever. <laughs> it just meant that like two times every winter, you go and see the teacher with your mom. Okay. You know, you take that... Uh, that disciplinary talk. That yeah, do, and yeah. you're just like, okay, it's just a day. <laughs> you're like you're like it's worth all the mischief yeah. and all the fun okay yeah. <laughs> definitely i mean when you calculate like that because some kids in other places like they get detention every day or something yes. so it's way more like in your face where it's like you're like well twice a year it kind of sucks but it's okay yeah well it is a depressing day <laughs> and it takes two two or three days to process it but, yeah but then you know just be more silly and then it'll eventually <laughs> It bounced back to the silly day, you know, silly things. Yeah. Yes. And at what point in your life did you become interested in music? Like, well, how did this come uh, about for you? Just, I think, from, uh, like, very early on. Okay. Like, my first memories are headphones. Mm. And, uh, like, uh, my mom used to say that uh, she, she didn't need a babysitter. Just hand me the headphones. <laughs> and <laughs> um, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And she just turned the turned the record around, yeah. and then turned again, and then turned uh, again. So you just mesmerized. I'm mesmerized by sounds, and like back then when I was um, two, three, four, five, there was this uh, legendary guys, uh, Runar Jul and Hemmi Gunn okay. and Gilva Eason. They did some kids' records, mm, okay. really funny, and it's like slapstick humor or, yeah. and, and for kids. So it was amazing. I loved those records with some songs in it. So that, that, that I think music came very early on, just as a, my best friend or something. Really? You know, just uh, totally always in my head. And it's just comforting in some ways. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. And just it's another world. Yeah. You know, it's just put some, especially with headphones, where you just you ignore the world yeah. and you go into that world of the music. Yeah. And close your eyes, and you're you know. You're any place. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And in terms of becoming a musician, because now it's a totally different mm-hmm. world, right? So you have loving music or being interested in music and the transition to actually becoming a musician. Right. Was there something that kind of hit you like at a, a, a moment, a turning point in your life? Or was it just kind of gradually as you loved music, you were like, I'm going to become a musician? Yeah. Well, like I, I, did, I never really knew, like some people know, yeah. you know. I'm going to become a cop. Or, yeah, yeah. Know, <laughs> a little doctor or something. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's true. And, you know, they have ambitions. Right. Like, oh, this is the path. And I envy them a little bit. You know, it, it, it sounds in, you know, sounds like a, like a narration in a story, mm-hmm. you know, with a happy ending. Yeah. 
But I never had that. <laughs> it's just chaos. More realistic to me yeah. for most people. <laughs> yeah. So... Music was always there for me. I, I was playing guitar and singing a little bit. Eventually, like, and I was dropping in and out of school and yeah. whatever. And then I bought like a, a, a small cassette thing, multi-channel recording equipment. Then I, I, it was easier for me to start to make my own thing, but only for me. It was I never. I, maybe I played it for uh, my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. My, uh, you know, some friends me, but in general, it, it wasn't a thing for me to like get uh, feedback yeah it's just like make some silly stuff and it was uh fairly ar- artistic you know it's yeah. just um just having fun and none of my friends were musicians okay like or a few of them i had a band of course they were musicians but they all had their paths you know they you know going to university whatever right, yeah but um i think at some point maybe i was 22 23 my friend pointed uh, he was going he saw somewhere online, and then it's the early days of the internet. I sound like a Santa Claus. I'm so old. <laughs> um, that he found a school for audio engineering. Okay. And I was like, fucking hell, it's like I've been preparing for this my whole life. Mm, I don't even fiddling have... around with all these things. Yeah, right? yeah, and it's in London, which yeah. it's in many places around the world. But we're really like, oh, London is the place. Maybe because I was listening to Blur and the Britpop. Yeah. Like left field Brit pop yeah. music was what I was listening to at the time. So I thought, London, my ticket out of here, you know, <laughs> out, of, out of Reykjavik yeah. and, and out of whatever, you know, I was just doing odd jobs. Actually, I was a messenger boy for a one and a half year. Um, in like, London? No, in, in, Reykjavik. in Reykjavik. So I was right. like, yeah, I need, need, need to do something. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm 22, <laughs> you know. So we, we um, I went to that school, got a, BA degree in recording arts. Mm-hmm. But it was very selfish. It was like, uh, this is something I like, kind of obviously love to do. So it's not like an education. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I love love this stuff, like drum machines. And, you know, I, I didn't know all of it, but I was, it was, came so natural to me. Yeah. that I, It's like, but I didn't have a vision in my head. Like, yeah. and then this is my career path. Right. I was just like, I'm buying two years more of fun which i think <laughs> yeah at the same time though that's kind of an important thing because if you don't right. feel driven to go to learn something no then it is literally a chore and for the most part you don't feel as if you're getting that much out of it you know like unless yeah. you do have that vision so you're willing to go through the painful parts of maybe some education yeah, yeah, yeah. but in your case it was just like this is really fun and it's useful enough right because right, yeah, obviously yeah. they have a degree in it so must, must be able to yeah, use it yeah. somehow um but that is probably what kept you going. And yeah, and I, I like the idea of like maybe someday, you know, I like if, if I was thinking like maybe practical, I could work in the theater or the, or at the radio station. Yeah, you know, and then had my funny art project on the side, you know, or everything would be doomed, and I'd just go because I worked a little bit as a sailor. Okay, like I'll, oh, I'll, so you... I'll, I'll work as a sailor, pay off my big big debt. Yeah. Plan B. <laughs> Plan B, but you know. <laughs> then I did uh, in in London when I was finishing um, the degree. I finished my first album. Okay. And uh, towards the end of the course, my dad thought I was uh, maybe doing drugs or something, or too much drugs. Too much. <laughs> It's not that he wasn't <laughs> wearing yeah, drugs. Yeah, but, just but drugs not. is a general word. Like, <laughs> I, I, myself, I don't do. Um, I haven't done that. You know stuff. Yeah. 
in any capacity, but I have, uh, I was maybe drinking a little bit, yeah, but okay. as, as all youngsters around me were doing, or, and, and even them, they were, they were doing drugs in my class, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, so I felt pretty healthy. Yeah. But my dad, because uh, I spent all my money on, uh, like we get these student loans. Uh-huh. So you get like half a year worth of money from the bank. And I a spent, lot of money for a young person. It is. And my last kind of semester, which started like in uh, after Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I got the sum. <laughs> and I figured, fuck it. I'm going to spend it all on a sound card. Oh, wow. For a laptop. It was the first sound card for a laptop. Okay. So I bought that for. It cost um, that much money. <laughs> it, well, it cost most of my money. Yeah, I, wow. I, I had some, some, you know, but I couldn't pay rent or uh, support, like having a house or a telephone and stuff like yeah. that. So, um, you know, I understand my father was calling me up, like, "How are you doing?" And I was always in a different place. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm at Pedro's place now. I'm at, you know, Anna's now. I'm at this this girl or that boy. And, um, so it's like, well, what's the, what the, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Are you doing drugs? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm just working on an album, finishing the, the, um, the BA essay. Yeah. So in like, uh, you were crowd surfing before it was a thing. I, I mean, not crowd, you were <laughs> yeah, yeah. couch surfing couch before surfing, it was a yeah. thing. Yeah. Crowd surfing is totally different thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a few months into that, he's like, he bailed me out. Oh, wow. uh, kind of. So it's like, I, I, I don't believe you're, he said to me, uh, I think you'll never finish the essay. Here's a plane ticket to Isafjörður. Uh, talk to your uh, doctor your, or mentor or whatever the name is and uh, convince him to do the uh, the final thesis. Because I had finished all the courses. It was okay. just the essay thing. To do it online. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I thought that was a great idea because I was, was like, got so slim. Yeah. I'd finished the album. It was, it was a project that I was delaying anyway, the essay thing. So I was like... You know, it was a slam dunk yeah. deal. And I flew here to his place, did the essay in two months. Nice. In that time, I met my wife in a local bar in Isafjörður. Okay. And that's how I moved to Isafjörður. Ah. And then uh, at the, towards the end of my studies, I, I got to know this guy called Matthew Herbert, okay. who is uh, one of the UK's legends. Okay. Uh, so at the time, or a couple of years before, he worked with Björk. That's how I knew of him okay. originally. It's like, who's this guy? And then went to the record shop, like, fucking hell, he's the best. Okay. And, um, and his, what do you, like, a clique. Yeah, maybe, like a group of people. Yeah. They were doing really interesting stuff. So I was like a fanboy, deluxe. And I sent him a love letter. <laughs> I love how you say that. I sent him a love letter. I did. No, he was like totally on my mind okay. all the time. Yeah. I loved him and I still love him. And he responded because probably because it was just over the top. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we got to know each other to make a long story short. Uh, I think he felt sorry for me at the point. So he released my album. What? The first album. Int- is this and that's Lonely how, Mountain? Or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's how like, and I was like his um, sidekick for two years or okay. something. So I got to travel with him, got to support his show. And he, he put me to support other people or, or do my own gigs. Yeah. So he was really the mentor. Someone took you under their wing. Totally took me under his nice. wing. I paid him so uh, disproportionate love. Uh, <laughs> the, the power dynamic was strong uh, there. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I was so um, 
disrespectful in some ways ah. because of uh, money stuff. So I, I, I felt like I should be a, a huge star. Still a little bit of teenager in me. Got it. Okay. And uh, so I was like, ah, and you know, you should pay me more money. But he actually was giving me uh, opportunities, you know, like mm-hmm. left, right, center. But I was like, wow, where's the money? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. But anyway, um, that's how it kind of turned into a career. Okay. Uh, over two years, just by uh, a sheer accident. And actually, his label is called uh, Accidental Records. So that's, <laughs> okay. so that's nice. Perfect fitting for yeah. this story, especially. <laughs> so, okay, so besides, is it Matthew Herbert, you said? Matthew Herbert. Okay, so he, is he like the way in the UK as, as Bookby is in Iceland? And that kind of um, No, I would say like, because the UK, of course, has uh, ridiculous yeah. music history. Yeah, um, true. <laughs> so if you know Aphex Twin, No. So, like, uh, 95, roughly, to 2000, okay. there was this huge explosion in electronic music okay. in the UK. Uh, it was a label called the Warp. Okay. So, like, Motown was for soul music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Warp was the King Kong of electronic. Got it. Like, I don't know, later, all this uh, dubstep kind of mm-hmm. is... 20 years later, you have dubstep. Yeah. But at the time, Warp was the, the was thing. The thing. Yeah. On Warp was um, uh, Aphex Twin. Okay. So he is Elvis Presley or something. Ah, okay. You know? <laughs> Matthew Herbert yeah. was uh, kind of uh, the king of more, uh, I don't know who it, who I should compare him to, but uh, more like Leonard Cohen or, uh, mm, yeah, okay. you know, he was like artful yeah. and very intellectual, had all these political driven performance pieces. Mm. You know, he could always get you to, and still does, a piece that makes you think. Mm. Uh, and sometimes the idea is better than the music. And it puts you in a, in a, in a lovely place where you have to, you know, you know, because it's, it's always a conflict with art, yeah. you know, the, the, is it, you know, is Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, or is the paint, because of the painter right. the painting, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an endless discussion. Anyway, he, he uh, so he's um, one of the biggest electronic guys for that era okay. and is still doing amazing, amazing cool. work, yes. Okay, so you were inspired by him yes. and then you got to work with him, which is awesome, <laughs> awesome. And what about other artists that have inspired you, like Icelandic and people from abroad? Yeah, so I mentioned Pippi Mortens, mm-hmm. which is uh, this troubadour. Well, he's changed over the decades, yeah. but he started as this troubadour punk and then developed this maybe a rock and roll country star. Yeah. But I, I loved him. Uh, and you got to work with him? I got to work with him. Uh, yeah, he's really cool and very good role model. Uh, then, uh, to name other names, probably two of my biggest influences also uh, is Magnus Eriksson. Okay. So he is uh, a little bit older than Puppy, but he's done this. I think his music is, is uh, the most connection to the soul of the country. Mm. So uh, common people or, or the way, like, whatever makes Icelandic tick. Mm. Uh, he's got straight access to it. And I can't explain it okay. in any more detail. But and I wouldn't know what in America would ex- like be a good uh, example in yeah. the same way because I don't know. Uh, but there's just something with his music that like it touches on stuff that is so real, yeah. you know. 
Very cool. And the other guy is Kaukau or KK. He's more of a, like a bluegrass bluesman mm. who came in the 90s, an exceptional songwriter and lyricist. So I think those three are probably my biggest. Mm-hmm. But then um, I remember like early on, it's, it's like um, Lenny Kravitz was mm-hmm. like, uh, I had a love affair kind of with him over the whole <laughs> summer. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd ride my bike from work in the 20 minute break, you know, yeah. from just to listen to one song and then go back to the factory <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, so he, he at the time, and then like when you're a teenager, you have to love something and then hate it a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, so, and all the hippie music was very popular when I was a teenager. So the Doors, let's say, yeah. it was, uh, because of the Doors movie, mm-hmm. uh, that came out. But then it's just, it's, it's always, you know, you're always looking for something new and then you discover something old. And today it's, it's just, uh, you know, we're so lucky to have this streaming platform. Yeah, it's exactly. just uh, like a, a titan gone to heaven, really. Yeah. You know? That's awesome, too. And it's, it's great to hear that you're such a big music fan. And I'm, I'm sure there are other artists who are, too. But it's nice to hear when you're like, yeah, and I just, like, love this. You know, yeah. I was, like, in love with these individuals. Because I think it's something that's so much more relatable. Because I can remember right. growing up, like, having this love for certain types of music or certain artists. And just not knowing exactly why, not being able to always explain it. But just right. knowing it just, like, touched me in a way that felt yeah. good. And I needed to just continuously listen to it for hours. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah it's crazy. It yeah. forms you in so many ways. Yes. I, I think, at least. Um, Absolutely. It is crazy. <laughs> and in terms of your musical style, because everyone mm. goes through an evolution. Mm-hmm. So in your mind, how has that evolved from Lonely Mountain or even when you were just kind of messing around with stuff in your right. room at some point? Well, I think like, it, I think like my, probably my biggest influence is the blues, like B.B. King yeah. and, and Robert Johnson or Absolutely whatever. amazing. Like, yeah. And maybe it's because my grandfather, so I, don't, I don't know. Or, or I'd gravitated to it, towards it. Mm-hmm. I really did, like, early on. And, you know, of course, like, Zeppelin or whatever is so much influenced by it. So, you, you know, you, you find something like Zeppelin, and then you go deeper. And that was my, like, I think, you know, if there are two pies, I'd eat that pie. Yeah, okay. The, the blues. Is that something in Iceland, the blues? Because I don't listen to that much Icelandic mm-hmm. music, but... Are the blues, do you find people kind of gravitating towards this music or making music like that? Especially because now things have changed a lot, obviously, yeah. with genres of music. But well, I think they like the blues. Yeah. But I think at the core, it's more like folkish. Um, okay. yeah. So if, if you listen to the Icelandic music for the last eight years, yeah. it's very beautiful. And it has a big, and it gets, it grows and grows on me, this uh, traditional Icelandic stuff. Um, but it's more like... Uh, Scandinavian, mm-hmm. German influenced, um, beautiful songs, beautiful lyrics, yeah. a lot of heartbreaks, kind of, or uh, fresh love, yeah. you know. So they, I, I love that stuff too, and that I think that's something that um, they prefer more than the blues. But they, uh, Icelanders are though like um, there is connection to like the rhymes. Mm-hmm. So the old rhymes where you go like hey, um, oh, um, yeah. hey. so there is a blues element to yeah. it with this this droning kind of you know I, I bet if if you put old recordings from the twenties or something yeah. from Mississippi or whatever, mm-hmm. and then from the twenties from the West Fjords, you you'd get a similar kind of 
you know this um haunted content. yeah and it's also it's, it's part of the struggle because yes. we were actually in bikingasap right today <laughs> uh, because our class was taking a tour and it was so fascinating to listen to the fishermen out rowing uh, on the water and it was cold and one guy is singing and right. he's and they were saying that like the rhyming became more consistent and like even faster because they're trying to keep warm and kind of yes. their minds off of stuff so in that struggle of just being out there working super hard in harsh conditions they're singing yes and it was just like oh this is so when you're saying it, it's like yeah. totally connects and that's why i'm wondering about the blues because it comes from the struggle right yeah, and that's yeah, the whole yeah. kind of part is yeah. that you're trying to get it yeah, out it's definitely the same nerve yeah um, but on two different planets. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. <laughs> uh, in terms of collaboration, so we, just, we talked about, you know, you had mm-hmm. collaborated with Bupe and, and other artists. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a dream collaboration or, you know? Just, right. Oof. I don't know. I think it, I don't, I've never thought about it. Okay. Um, but if you could choose somebody to collaborate with, right. you know, who, who it comes to mind? Um. Well, it is like I've done collaborations and it's never the same. Yeah. Because people are so different. So, uh, and they pull different things out of you and you them. But it's, and it's so interesting because when you're on your own, you're kind of staring into the abyss. Yeah. You know, trying to find something. Yeah. But it's nice when you're with somebody and you say like, you know, three, here are three words. Yeah. And then they can pick up on that and say, oh, that, that reminds me of, uh, you know, a journey I went to. Yeah. Just those three words. And then, oh, that's great. And then you continue. And it's a pinball effect, yeah. which is great, you know, and, and it's very productive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know, like, as a person, I think it, it could be anybody, okay. really. So it's whenever know. it feels right, to some degree. Yeah. And also, like, I, I think I collaborate uh, like on all my songs in some way, like... Uh, yeah. If say I'm working on a, on a song about like something that, that's on my mind, then I, I might strike a conversation deliberately yeah. with just random people I meet, mm. just to get some other points of view about the subject. And then something sticks—a phrase or a, or an idea or, or like ah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Then, hmm, okay. So uh, yeah. So the collaboration is. But yeah, I, no, 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 I'm not sure. Like okay. I couldn't name you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, Tom Waits comes to mind, okay. um, but uh, he's far away. So, uh, and I'm I am actually collaborating now with uh, two of the guys I mentioned, Kau Kau and Magnus. Okay. So we we've done an album kind of uh, amount of material. Nice. And we're like a boys' club meeting for coffee and stuff. So, um, uh, and that's very very like um, it's very luxurious. Yeah. To be able to work with your heroes. And see how they do stuff. So that's yeah. crazy. Like the Magnus sits down, the way he just his whole body works the lyrics, you know, he's just on his toes, drinking so much coffee, smoking <laughs> and listening to the environment. And then psh, he's got something. And then the other guy, he's got so much rhythm and backbeat. Yeah. And he's always like, so uh, tasteful with his uh, playing and you know so you uh, I want to be that yeah. uh, of course you can't I can never be them but I'm, I'm definitely stealing from everybody you know yeah. and you get to add in your own spice it, it, and that you don't even have to think about that because that happens automatically because yeah. 
you know, you always put you in stuff you do. Hopefully. Sometimes you can get lost when you really? when you look when you look maybe looking well, up. Well, maybe you need people. to be stupid enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's the key. It's just like yeah, don't know any better. Don't know what thinking. Yeah, that's I think also that actually makes a lot of sense because <laughs> that usually when you're thinking too much is when all of a sudden you forget who you are, right? You're yeah. just trying to be instead of just being. Yeah. So, that's it's very right. philosophical. <laughs> that's right. uh, back in 2004, Yes. You started this festival. Right. Or it yeah, debuted yes. a festival called mm-hmm. Aldre Foriek Sudur. Mm-hmm. And it's quite unique, in, in my opinion, in mm-hmm. terms of location and some other aspects of it. Right. But I would love to know just the backstory mm-hmm. about like how this festival came up. If you can give people who are listening an idea of what this festival is about, what it's for, who it's for, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. why it happens in Isafjord. Right. So it was uh, like a silly idea uh, because uh, I was playing in a really, uh, I think the word is prestige festival in yeah. London. Yeah. I was the smallest act probably on the bill, but it was a huge thing. Yeah. You know, like I'm playing at the ICA on the Rough Trade Records yeah. shows. Nice. It's crazy. And my dad was so proud of me that he bought a plane ticket to come and see me. And then it was a little bit of a letdown that like I was playing five o'clock or something. And nobody was there. Excuse oh, me. Okay. So it's like, ah, oh, Dad, I'm sorry. You know, yeah. it's still a great thing when I'm playing this festival. But I, you know, it's it's only you in the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> sweet to have your dad <laughs> being the one like clapping yeah. along with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, it was the hottest day of the summer, mm-hmm. and in recorded history or whatever, it was a really oh, hot day in London. Terrible. They were sweating like pigs. Uh, but I had my wife Runa and, and my dad brought his girlfriend at the time right. or, and which is now his wife yeah so we started drinking and i was gonna hey let's go backstage and the guys were like you know you're such a small uh, artist on the bill you don't you're not even allowed you know and, oh, you know, wow. and, no, and, and no drinks so we're like oh, fuck this shit <laughs> uh we're really disappointed when, like Rude. my dad's bad dad's coming from uh, all the way from music yeah to see his son turn into a star or you know and then, you know, not even a beer. Yeah. So uh, we went kind of on the side and just started drinking quite heavily uh, and bitching. Yeah. Uh, and so we wrote on a napkin, like, our dream festival. Mm. And so it's like everybody's treated the same, uh, you know. And, and at the time, we've changed that rule since then. But, like, nobody gets paid was the rule for a few years yeah. but now we've been paying of course yeah. <laughs> that was a bad rule but we it was on that napkin so we did f- lots of this anti-festival rules yeah. and now actually we pay everybody the same amount so okay. it doesn't matter if you're from the local high school or the biggest band right. you know and do people have to pay to go to the event no so it's a free festival and but when we came from uh, London after that festival, we met a guy called Ragnar Kjartansson, okay. which you have to try to meet because he is the best. Okay. Um, the best. The best. He's, he's our biggest like uh, artist okay. in the Just whole country. In the whole country, so, okay. Uh, you know, and probably if there was a scale, yeah. you'd get Björk, him, or maybe Björk Sigurðs and then him <laughs> on the global scale. Of, okay, yeah. Because he is... Um, He's a force. Yeah. You have to Google him and he's a beautiful guy. Anyway, at the time he was uh, an artist, but he was also a pop star, or okay. in my eyes at least. Yeah. And, we, and we, we were friends and we met him in a bar in Reykjavik and we showed him the napkin. He said, this is great because there's so much anti 
everything yeah. was anti anti normal, you know. <laughs> Give it to the man, kind yeah, of yeah. manifesto. <laughs> exactly. So uh, he said, and at the party was like, ah, "That's great, let's do this festival." And probably because of him, because he he is he is the best. He's uh, he he laughs so much. Everybody loves him. All yeah. the you know, like I don't know what to compare him to even. And uh, so he turned around to like guys, the goose goose guys, yeah. which is a huge band yep. band in Iceland. Like, hey guys, you're playing over Easter in this place, and that was one of the. <laughs> That's what he just said to them. <laughs> Yeah, so he got the the first uh, lineup. Nice. So, and he got like the, the the guys from Seguros, the three of them. Yeah. So they made a country version of of uh, Seguros called the Lonesome Traveler. So they just <laughs> had a huge cowboy hats. It was so funny. That's awesome. And like everybody, because of Kjartan, um, Ragnar Kjartansson, everybody came. Uh, like the artist was willing to do it. I didn't know half of them I know of them yeah but so, you didn't but actually know them he, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 like he was my friend and um, uh, so we, we we were thinking shit we, we, we got a festival yeah. in like six weeks or something just like that <laughs> <laughs> so my father and his friend they clear out uh, an old factory here okay. which was just bankrupt and yeah. we got the keys for a week or something and he cleared everything out put in a sound system Invited the whole town. And one of the reasons we wanted to do this in Isafjörder was because then, uh, because over Easter, there's usually bad weather. Mm-hmm. So that would mean people wouldn't want to come. Mm-hmm. And we thought that was great. <laughs> Wait, this, is, this is definitely anti-festivals. Like, you don't even want people to come to. Yeah. So <laughs> there, people from outside of the no, fjord. No, or just like assholes. <laughs> that... <laughs> You know, because it's a lot, a lot of effort. Because usually, like at the time, at least, we thought you couldn't fly in here because right, right. it always got cancelled. So you have to drive for six or seven hours in bad weather. You really and have to make the effort. You <laughs> have, yeah, you have to love the idea of going to a city festival yeah. at the end of the world. And at the time, like even the hotel was closed. Wow. So you had to like find an aunt or auntie or or try to be lucky or something yeah. to stumble into something. To make it work. Yeah. So, so that was the idea, that, that we, we would only have good people uh, that would make the effort. And it kind of came true, because it's it's really, so far, it's been, I think we're doing our 18th festival now. That's awesome. It's crazy. Uh, and it's all volunteer work. And it's like the whole community takes part in it now yeah. uh, for the last, you know, maybe the first festival was uh, tight, uh, or maybe we were 10 of us or something. Yeah. Uh, but now it's probably 70, 80, okay. or even more uh, people. So it's a nice community event. It's so, it's so beautiful. Uh, yeah. You know, they help us out with everything. And it's and now the organization, like, uh, when we meet to organize it, it's like 30 people. And we have a few different chapters. Yeah. And it's so, it's, it's I, I just love the idea because it's so organic yeah. and uh, you know and it, it, it just i think it brings like like last year we didn't get to do it because of covid yeah but uh, we did this online version but i just realized by kind of missing it mm. you know not having a, my first normal easter yeah. for 17 years or something 
that it just made the Easter like a normal weekend, mm-hmm. you know, but just all this music and activity and, and it's really like we try to get interesting stuff from all genres, genres. So it's, uh, you know, you get some heavy metal, some yeah. electronic, some folkish and whatever and nice. old stuff, new stuff. Uh, so it's very schizophrenic. Yeah. So it's not like it's usually festival have a, uh, like an a art theme or something. Theme, yeah. yeah. But this is, it to be eclectic. Yeah, yeah, this is so weird and beautiful. So I'm, yeah. I'm really proud of that and awesome. the community. Well, <laughs> Okay, and your name is, er, like mm-hmm. your government name, if you will, your yes. birth name. <laughs> but you go by Mukasam. Yes. Why? So my dad, he's been working so many places around the world in his lifetime. And when uh, I was in London, uh, he was working in Malaysia. And my dad and mom got divorced uh, at one point, and I decided to uh, go visit him over Christmas okay. for three weeks. And we were going to travel the... Uh, it's kind of two islands, okay. so we're going to travel the country. And uh, his nickname has always been Muggi. Mm. And when he's abroad, he's Muggi. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I arrived, he, he had been um, turned into this karaoke king. Okay. Because... <laughs> um, <That's> so interesting. <laughs> it's not what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, yes. So he, he, he was still working in the fishing kind of teaching and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So he's been all these smaller fishing villages. Yeah. And he's like, hey, uh, we, we, you know, I'm going to work this today and then I'll pick you up six o'clock. We go eat there. Mm-hmm. And then we go eat there with some of his friends. And it's like, ah, and then we're going to check out this karaoke place. Yeah. And we always, when we walked in, was like uh, a hero that was coming home or something. Yeah. It was like, hey, Mookie, Mookie, Mookie. Everybody got, like, not everybody, but yeah. it was it was a lot of fun. Like, he was really a star in some of these places. And um, and he used to sing because a really deep, uh, like, Icelandic voice, like, you know, yeah. like a bass, top, second bass. Yeah, is it like baritone or something? Which is a huge contrast to uh, the Malaysian. Uh, yeah, okay. So, uh, like him singing an, uh, Whitney Houston songs. But your dad was singing Whitney Houston. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard. Well, we, we both love her. Uh, yeah. So he used Understandably. to... Understandably. Yes, he is amazing. And uh, like I, I will, you know, um, dance with somebody. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So he got a, a male singing that. <laughs> With a really like, I want to dance with somebody. This is like, I can't do it justice, but it's just to can imagine. Yeah. Uh, so the people are used to this, this high pitched thing. And then it's so weird, but it's so interesting. And, and he always got the crowd like in his palm of his hand. Like, it's so, it's so good. And then when he was taking like small breaks, he'd, hey, my son is going to sing something. And, uh, and then they started calling me Mukison. Okay. And I thought it was kind of beautiful because I was, um, uh, at the time, I thought I was going to be an instrumentalist. Okay. So just doing instrumental music. Mm-hmm. But I, f- I thought it was beautiful because I, I had one song, I think, that was, was maybe going to sing on, on the first album, which I'd started working on at the time. Okay. And um, so I thought it was a beautiful kind of metaphor that I was born as a singer. Yeah. At least I got some confidence. In a karaoke trip, you know, in Malaysia. Yeah. And that's where I got the name. 
And it has to do with your father. So it's, it's my like father, a, yes. It's a tribute to your dad as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Career, right? <laughs> so. And I, I still, like, I, he sometimes tours with me. Nice. Uh, over here in Iceland. And uh, he always closes the show. Okay. We, we try to do it differently, but he's such a crowd pleaser that... <laughs> There's no, no... You can't do it We can't do it any other way. That's awesome. Your dad is... <laughs> he's a star. You're both stars, but in your own right and kind of your own ways. Yeah, but he just kills it, you know, <laughs> always. <laughs> okay. And in regards to becoming more popular, because obviously there's the shift, right, from when you're an artist and you're going through life, maybe the struggle of becoming an actual artist and you become a full-time artist mm-hmm. and then people start to get to know you. And that of course has to have some effect on your life. You're living here, even though it's a small town or going Reykjavik, right. but are you feeling like that much different? You know what I mean? Like, do you feel like this affects your ability to go out and do things because right. people just know who you are now <laughs> yeah. in a different way? Yeah. Maybe like, Maybe my wife could answer this differently. Yeah, but, okay. <laughs> but for me, um, I don't know. I always felt that some people have kind of a, a charm to them. Some of my artist friends have this kind of like bigger than life persona. Yeah. Um, like Hugnin and Hjaltalin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So every time I see him, I'm just, wow, there he is. Mm-hmm. He's got this amazing the hair presence, and presence you yeah. know it's like what is what is he thinking right now and it's just exciting to see some people yeah i think i'm, I'm more of an introvert mm-hmm. uh, so I, I could probably sit in a corner somewhere and maybe somebody would think is it him and i know mm. he, he, he'd look something different uh, you know <laughs> you're blending in the crowd and kind of just like I, yeah i think my my kind of aura or personality doesn't claim attention and you know mm. I'll do it on stage and I'll I'll enjoy it on stage. Yeah. But um I think that's why you know some people are good doing this this kind of job. Yeah. And I think I'm pretty good on stage to doing my job. Yeah. But because I don't claim anything, I don't at, at least I I feel like I'm not maybe I'm just turned weird <laughs> and I I'm trying to bullshit you or something. <laughs> or bullshit myself, yeah. but um I've never felt any like, oh my God, even though I've had huge success in some of my music. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I don't think I've felt like... Like I, life is that much different. No, not okay. really. Well, no. that's, that's, it must be nice. And also people work. know that like, maybe like in your country. Yeah. There is like, like some, like my albums have sold very well mm-hmm. over here. But in the proportion, like people know we don't have any money. So, uh, <laughs> but in America, if I was on the scale, I would scale it up to America, I would yeah. be like very rich. Yeah. And money changes everything yeah. in, in people's attitude, if, if, you know, towards you at least. Yeah, it does. So, uh, because everybody needs money, it's like water or something these mm-hmm. days. So uh, uh, that distorts the interaction with people. But here, uh, even though, apart from some folks that are big abroad, us the local, <laughs> you know, pop uh, people, we 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 don't have any money, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and people know that, and so there isn't yeah. that conflict. Okay. 
But you still have like just good interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And people here, there, there is not this hierarchy, right? Yet, yeah, I, yeah. I feel it's growing a little bit. Yeah, I think it's an influential thing of yeah. like media, especially from the U.S. I mean, Maybe. I hate to say it because yeah. I'm from the U.S., so you can kind of see like the warning signs. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's there is some change, but yeah. still, it's like. You know, this old phrase, you, you can always knock on the door at the, mm-hmm. uh, on the president's door mm-hmm. and go in for coffee if yeah. you really wanted to. Yeah. Uh, there's not, not a guard or right. anyone. Not and a gate. There's not, yeah. No gates. And the same with all actors, pop stars, people in the media, sport people. Right, yeah. You know, we're all in the phone booth. Yeah. And, you know, everybody can call us up anytime. And so there is no distancing. Right. Which is pretty nice. And I think people, for the most part, are respectful. And that's probably why it's been that way for so long. Right. Because there hasn't been this shift over to, like, you owe me this now. You know, getting in contact with you has become you know, special. It's right. just like you're a person. Maybe you're in line at the bakery. It might be nice to see you, but you're just yeah, still yeah. a person. You know? And it's kind of nice to keep that vibe going. It is. So we all can kind of respect each other. Yes. Yeah. And for artists that are coming up, because I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of people in Iceland or even abroad who are just like super excited about mm-hmm. becoming musicians. Right. What kind of advice do you have for them? For musicians? Yeah. Uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> Be yourself, kids. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I sometimes fool, I have to fool myself. Mm. So I, I, I play them to just lie, <laughs> you know. I like how transparent you're being about this, though. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> no, no, because it's a good trick. Yeah. So, because um, every like, like um, you have this imaginary thing that, like, like I compare it to a farmer. So I imagine myself as a uh, farming sounds or something. Mm. That's that's my my farming sounds. Oh, yeah, it it sounds better in Icelandic. Okay. <laughs> sounds like a anyway. So I'm I'm a, I'm a farmer of, of sorts, and I always think like the you you imagine the farmer he he is in a beautiful place. Tending the, you know, whatever animals he's growing or, or whatever piece of land he's doing, yeah. you know, his business in. But in reality, he's always like fixing the fence. He's mm. shoveling, you know, shit and he's doing a lot of work. Yeah. And it's the same in any occupation, but in, in the arts and at least in, in like if you're a musician and singer or uh, writing music, yeah. it is exactly the same. There is like this 5% element there is total bliss, yeah. like, like a drug, where you, where you feel proud of yourself and uh, you feel, uh, you know, in control or, yeah. or something. And then 95% is just hard work. And consistency. Uh, yeah, and just, uh, and then I'm not talking about like marketing or anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, external. It's all, all the in- internal work of doing something mm-hmm. is just, uh, unfortunately, waking up and spent minutes hours yeah. days doing something yeah. and try to be better and you can only do it if you put love in it yeah. that's kind of the the gatekeeper yeah. you know because you have to be nearly uh i think uh cursed <laughs> you know to because it takes such a long journey yeah to to be able to uh, do stuff and nothing appears by magic so um, i think that that would be my advice you know Work hard and love hard, you know. Mm, yeah. And love hard what you're doing. Obviously. Yes, yes, that's yeah. what I mean. It's like, like even love the worst, bad songs you're doing. Yeah. Because they are teaching you so much. Yeah. And, you know, just don't judge your work. Like, nobody makes good. Yeah. Like, I think still today, 90% of my work is rubbish. Yeah. 
but you just, you know, you have to shovel shit. Yeah. There's, um, I can't remember the writer who said this, but she said, I'm not a great writer. I'm a great editor. Right. Right. It is so true. Um, and then just, if you can love that part of it, like yeah. who cares? You know, there's always some development. Yeah. Throw it in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> and some element of it will resurface in your other work right. later or whatever, if it's good or if you're interested in it. But I think some people find it so hard. They, they spend uh, time doing something and they want to, uh, people to recognize, like, I put so much work in this and you have to think it's good. Mm-hmm. Immediate it, justification, yeah. satisfaction. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, success, right? Immediate yeah. success as well. Which and is, then that's such a letdown, yeah. you know, but just keep on going and going and going and yeah. just never expect people to really like it. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, my sister's coach, when she was playing basketball, would right. say, hard work does not guarantee success. Right. And that's like the hardest thing to swallow, right? Yes. Because it's like, I put my best into this, yes. and it doesn't mean that I'm going to get anything that I hoped out of it. You, no. I mean, it might be that you learned something that you weren't expecting, but to you know win whatever that looks like right. for you or to get some type of success, yeah. that might not be what happens. And like uh, like I said, uh, if you learn to lie to yourself, it's it's very important. So an example that I learned this by is, uh, uh, you know, sometimes I'm considering stop uh, working in this field okay. because it's just too much pain or something, yeah. you know, I feel very dramatic. <laughs> and, you know, uh, like... In your feelings. <laughs> and, and then you make decisions that are good. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I remember just uh, did, did one of my first gigs here in Isafjord, you know, and it was just so terrible, you know. I even, went, I think, I went crying and locked myself oh, in the bathroom wow. and and just like, ah, why am I doing this? And then you have this inner dialogue that's so healthy, you know. Then I was totally bad for like when I was uh, supporting my hero. Yeah. And I'm not trying to get like validation or, anything, or whatever the word is, um, sympathy. Yeah. It's just. It's great. Like I had one song that was good, then five that was bad or not even interesting. But in two years, uh, you know, I, I developed like a forty-minute set. It was totally interesting at, at the towards the end of it. Nice. But I was so bored, you know. <laughs> then, then you you're like you question yourself, and then you just have to make a decision. And yeah. you know, I, I want to change things. Mm. And at some point, like, I, I got fed off with the electronics and decided, okay, I, I'm going to stop this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be, a, I'm going to do a rock and roll album. Mm. Uh, even though, I, you know, I had nothing, you know, in my skill set to do a rock and roll. I, like, I was an electronic artist. Yeah. That was my whole trade. Right. But then I just, I, I lied to myself. To like, yeah, sure, I can do the best rock and roll album <laughs> that has been done for a few years or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it materialized in two or three years. Okay. But it's just it's so nice to um, come to a junction or some end of a road yeah. thing, cry a little bit, and then use that force. Yeah. Bullshit something or bullshit yourself. Uh, and then just love it. Yeah, great. <laughs> I have two more questions for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was a very, uh, um, what you call, uh, all over the place answer. But uh, Yeah, but at the same time, they had this still reoccurring theme of the emotions <laughs> right, yeah. in it. And I think that's very good also that you're talking about the part that sucks. Right. Because most of the time, not to say that everyone does, but it's so easy to forget 
that it was difficult when you've gotten to a place that right. feels good. Yeah. And then it's like everyone thinks that they're in the unique space and maybe other artists haven't had it this hard where they're crying, you know? Right. And, and not often the guys talk about that they cry. So I appreciate you saying that. Because well, it's, yeah. But yeah. I think the, like the genius version, mm -hmm. uh, which is more nice to hear. Right, yeah. So the, the narrative, like uh, this song appeared to me. Right, yeah. And it's about my mother. And here is a brilliant piece of work. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was in a state of flow. Like that has happened to me. But, um, you know, there, I think, you know, you can't rely on that stuff. Right. And knowing <laughs> that you can't, because you, yeah. you're going to continuously chase the same feeling. And if you don't have that, then yeah. you don't think you can create anything. Right. right. It's being a, a creator in general is just turbulent. It is. <laughs> well, and you have to love it. Yeah. So in terms of the environment that you're in, because mm -hmm. you're living in... Sudavik especially is much smaller than Isafjörður, yes. even though you plan on coming here. Mm -hmm. But still, much more isolated than other, like Reykjavik or Akureyri mm -hmm. or wherever. Yes. Does, do you feel like this environment is affecting your music? And is this a, a mm -hmm. part of how you create? Yes, definitely. And Iceland in general, for yeah. sure. And, and not uh, both the landscape and the people. I think we, we bought a house in 2007, uh, in Sudavik or 2006 okay. I'm not sure uh, we did live here before that in Isafjörður mm -hmm. and Reykjavik but yeah I definitely I think like well, I, I, we had two kids when we moved to Sudavik two one year old and two year old so that was a lot of work yeah. and moving to Sudavik which was so simple like there are only 130 people yeah living. super small <laughs> super small um but with a small school yeah. and kindergarten. So that simplified life so much. Mm -hmm. And my wife is from there. So her mom lives in the village. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. So we got that feed, uh, support, right. uh, which is like gold. Yeah. And so I think, and also it was dead cheap. Yeah, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, I was able to, you know, put in time for creating. Mm -hmm. Because for me, at least, it takes a lot of time. And uh, then I didn't have to work as much for live performance, which is the way to get money. Right. So compared to people in maybe bigger towns, mm -hmm. uh, Reykjavik, for example, that uh, you have to pay, I don't know, 300 and something thousand yeah. for a flat. And then if you want to have a workspace, that's mm -hmm. extra 100,000, whatever. Here it's like, uh, at least used to be uh, maybe one-fifth Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's quite drastic. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I only had to work one fifth of <laughs> compared to my fellow uh, yeah. musicians. But you're also freed up mentally, not yes. being burdened by cost of living. Yes. Which so is, you're not I mean, constantly just fucking hell. Yeah. I'm from New York City. So, yeah. you know, that. <laughs> yeah. You, you, like, you maxed that. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> coming here is quite living. nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, Totally yeah. different. Yeah. yeah, so that like extra time, mm -hmm. extra chill, family situations yeah. to enjoy life a little bit. Definitely had huge impact on my music. Uh, here it's nice. That I like. I love these mountains. Mm -hmm. um, they're small. Or not, I don't know. They're like they're not that tall, but they're very close to us. Yeah, I think they like they, they shelter us very well from winds and stuff. Mm -hmm. So you have this. Um, very exaggerated, like, especially here in the West, the, the snow and the winter is 
crazy intense. intense i've not been here in the winter but i've right. seen pictures and that's kind right. of enough for me at the moment so <laughs> <laughs> no, it is crazy like last winter was the yeah, worst it was bad in a lot of places in yeah. iceland but yeah when i saw like above people's doors right. the snow yeah. and i have a friend who lives in Sudarere, and i'm right. like wow yes it is crazy and they closed the road here, right? Coming in from Sudavik to yes. Isafira. So. Yeah, that's, that's why uh, we're going to shift this winter at yeah. least to uh, to Isafira because my wife works here. And in January, February and March mm-hmm. last year, uh, this year, early uh, last winter. Yeah, it feels uh, like the year. It's been many years <laughs> yeah. so far. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so this is like before COVID. Yeah, uh, yeah. She had to stay home because of either uh, like there were some avalanches uh, or, yeah. the, or danger of avalanches mm-hmm. for those ninety days. I think it was just over forty days. Mm. So nearly every other day was there was something wrong with the road, and which kind of um, is hard when you you know you have to show up to work somewhere. So that's why we're gonna jump over to Isafjordur. But Suda is such a lovely place. It's. Uh, also, it's very diversified. There, are in the, of of those one hundred and thirty people, there are fifteen nations or wow. nationalities, yeah. and most of them are like family units. It's not like one and one and one. Yeah. It's like uh, this is probably the most culturally diverse, dense place right. in Iceland. Because obviously, in in Breitholt now, I mean, yeah, there's yeah, like yeah. a lot of diversity there. But here, I mean. That's very like, unusual to have yeah. so few people and so much diversity at the same time. Yeah, I think it's like uh, in in our town, the kids talk English. What? Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's been like this for uh, like 10 years or something. Okay. Yes. And it's very weird the first time you like, but they're just fr- from so many countries. Yeah. And English is like, like they're, 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 of course, they're... You know, they're nearly not Icelandic. They're from a land called YouTube. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's where they live, you know. <laughs> These I'm going to use that now. <laughs> the land called YouTube. Yeah, no, it's true, true, you know. And, and like, they, they naturally just talk English. And it's, it's weird, like, my, my two boys, they're now 14 and 15. Mm-hmm. And um, they'll have friends over to play, PlayStation. And sometimes mm-hmm. all the friends have left for dinner. Mm-hmm. But my two boys continue to talk between themselves English without realizing it, which is so like if my grandfather would have seen that. Yeah. Like, what? Why? <laughs> yeah. You know, he wouldn't understand this. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a habit. I mean, you can't help it if it's. No, no and it's the way it's it like the world's going anyway. Yeah. You know, it kind of uh, at least it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Really. There is fear though here of Icelandic being lost or dying mm-hmm. in essence because of people speaking a lot of English and especially young kids because mm-hmm. they're watching in the land of YouTube <laughs> or yeah, they're playing yeah. video games and when you're interacting on video games it's usually international so there's other people yeah. speaking English and so that's kind of an interesting thing too to you know it is it. you know and, and, and you know I understand people that feel like emotionally bad like we're losing um, some some something important yeah uh, but I don't really think that we we'll, we we'll lose it in my lifetime. Yeah. But it's definitely a morphing mm. into something, and that's what languages do. Yes. So. Uh, yes, it's true. If you're gonna hit your head against the head against the rock or something, go for it. Yeah. But uh, it, it won't change anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this and it's funny that you say that because we've I've had this discussion before with just other people, not necessarily in interviews, but. 
the evolution of language, like you mentioned, it, it changes, but it mm-hmm. usually becomes simpler. Right. Because it's like, and Icelandic has been, had been so isolated for so long, and yeah. that's why it kind of stayed difficult. Right. But in essence, in order for modern society to kind of not catch up with modern society, but mm-hmm. to feel like you can incorporate and make it easier for people to integrate, becoming more simplified right. is a natural progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So it's, like you said, it might not be that it dies, it's just people's idea of what is right and might need to die or have to change, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it's just, it's, it is. It's like either yeah. you fight against it and you try to keep it what it is or yeah. the progression, how things naturally go, which is somewhat chaotic. Yeah, like yeah. The universe is always going towards chaos, right? Yeah. Is somewhat simplified though. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So yeah, I find that super fascinating. It is very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice if it had been simplified already though, because I'm learning athletics <laughs> now. So, <laughs> so yeah. like, well, you'll, you'll have an advantage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll be one of those people, I remember the days yeah. when you had to like learn all the grammar rules. You know? yeah, <laughs> like, when they use this very strange yeah, word. exactly. <laughs> we could never explain it. So, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, but it, it, I understand people who are like, really saddened by it yeah yeah yeah. and it it holds also this special place in the world because you can read the sagas and you know there's this connection to a time that no one knows and yet at the same time you can if you had been back there you could communicate yes that's pretty cool you know it's very cool and i like and i I love the way it sounds like very poetic Mm -hmm. uh and uh for me at least sounds a little bit like unique Mm -hmm. uh you know, even compared to other Scandinavian languages, there is more kind of rough and tough yeah. where um, the other language, like sometimes I feel it's closer to Scottish mm. than the other Norwegian uh, or Scandinavian languages because yeah. it's got that kind of humor, or for me at least, yeah. like humor, humor, uh, humor and a little bit craziness to it yeah. um, <laughs> compared to the softness of the other ones, yeah. you know. Definitely. So my last question to <laughs> yes. you. Is one that I ask everybody, and it is, what is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase? Right. Word or phrase. Well, I have this one. Yeah, so this local legend and accordion player called mm-hmm. Villivalli. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Beautiful guy. He started playing the accordion when he was uh, like uh, very young, 10 okay. or 11, uh, playing dan- dances. Or yeah. like, is that like a normal thing for people to learn to play accordion here? They used to be like like the guitar in other places, uh, yeah. Because it it is like a whole band, but in just yeah. one guy can yeah. show up. You have the bass, you got the rhythm, you got the melodies. Right. So it, it is the perfect instrument, at, you know. If you think about it, you yeah. Know, just one man, a huge sound. It's crazy. Yeah. And that used to be like the way you know for, uh, for many decades that way music was delivered. Yeah. You know, in these parts. And he, he is, but he's like a jazz accordion player. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's very skilled. Anyway, I was sitting next to him. We're eating um, some food. And he had this phrase, which is a vera era gera, which I thought was, thought was really good. So he is to do. To do, yeah. yeah. Which, and it kind of has internal rhyme in yeah. like, a vera era gera. And because it has this internal rhyme, I didn't get it yeah. right away. It sounded like, you know, some, uh, some, uh, you know, phrase that he, you know, I didn't understand it, but I, it, yeah. So that, that, that's probably today. That's my favorite one. Uh, and I'll have a new one tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it, it reminds me of Eastern philosophy. Mm-hmm. So the Tao Te Ching, for instance, right. has this kind of 
I can't. All right. So if they always say if you try to explain it, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. right? That's very helpful. <laughs> so, but in my way of trying to uh, get across this whole thing, it's like um, the actions that you're taking. Like the dancer becomes the dance. Right. Thing, yeah, right. Yeah. So it is in essence this sort of to be is to do. It's yeah. You are in the present. You are alive. You are continuous in your pursuit of human interaction and yes. you know being by doing. You can't be if you're not doing anything or growing or whatever, yeah. you know? And also, you can't be what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, taking yourself out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and was that, the, was that an answer? Yeah, um, yeah. A vera era gera. A vera era gera. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to put it in a song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one day. Okay. So now someone can be like, that's going to be my phrase. And they'll tattoo it on their back and then it will be your song. And then Actually, <laughs> I no, this is funny. Wait, okay. <laughs> I, uh, last week I was writing a song yeah. which is just describing tattoos. Really? And the last phrase is that phrase. <laughs> so this is meant to happen, obviously. So if someone out there is listening to this and yeah. be like, yes. This yeah. is. <laughs> it was funny you thought that. Oh. Yeah. You just never know how like the universe connects thoughts. <laughs> so. <laughs> But it's been a pleasure. Oh, my, my pleasure. Yeah. Nice to meet you. I appreciate you sharing your insights, your life a little bit here. And also your music is awesome. So Thank always you very sharing much. your talents. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much.